Welcome to the session, a basketball podcast. Now with an intro, I'm your co-host, Omar, and I'm joined by Ben, and we are joined by Harmeet Singh. Let's get Hello. We definitely have a special guest, don't we, Omar? Yeah, yeah, really special guest. We've been trying to get Harmeet on the pod for so long, and we finally been able to you know find some time in his busy busy schedule for him to come on and enlighten us on all things movies yeah oh no oh no we 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 might piss you off our but that's just our dynamic that's exactly (laughs) why we are friends so let's give a little bit more of an introduction to our friend harmeet here um i've known harmeet since high school both of us have um i remember him being in my fitness class in grade 11 he definitely wasn't fit uh, I wasn't either, but you know, like that's how we kind of bonded. We struggled a lot during the uh, the running part. Uh, okay, but, but yeah, we we both had asthma attacks well, every single run. I have asthma, but I don't know what your excuse is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like since then, like um, similar to previous um, guests, Cappy and Robin, we've gotten really, really close after playing League of Legends together. So it was really um, video games are really brought us extremely close where, you know, like we would kind of like meet up in person and just hang out just regularly. We just became a lot closer. Um, Whereas in high school, we kind of just knew one another, but we didn't really hang out too, too much. Um, But now since then, Harmeet has taken on so many different projects and so many different things. Um, I'll let him talk more about it, but he's definitely the, the movie specialist in the WhatsApp group. He, keeps recommending movies and we never listen to any of his recommendations and that's what keeps us going and and that's why we invited him here onto the pod so all of our listeners could firsthand understand just how bad some of his takes are when it comes to (laughs) movies and they too could then ignore them so so really we just brought you on uh to shit on you army like that's that's all it is oh i see how it is i see okay well you know what just know that every single movie you guys have seen in theaters with me was a great movie every single one <laughs> yeah you know what? let's get that thing oh, out of so the funny. way yeah let's 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 get that out, off out of the way harmeet has never watched a movie he didn't like so that's where his recommendations start from he'll watch a movie and then seven days later be tweeting about it saying man i'm still smiling thinking about x movie. dude because okay okay take in how name one movie that you guys were just like oh my god my mind is numb after we watched it together uh, what's that one movie? Um, Harrison Ford, that futuristic... Um, Blade Runner 2049 is a wonderful a film. And movie. if you ever say anything wrong such about it, I will break quarantine. And I will come to your front door. And I won't go anywhere. I'm just going to stand there. <laughs> but yeah, right? he, every single time we watch a movie together, he'll come out of it like, guys, that was the best movie I've ever seen in my life. And then he'll tweet about it six hours later, retweet a bunch of things. Oh my God. You know what's the funniest part, Omar? It's not even I like still retweet Parasite, man. No, it's not even the directors or the actors. It's like the makeup artist. He'll find the most obscure person related <laughs> to the movie to retweet their thoughts on that movie that he watched. Harmi, like, okay, Harmi. Harmi walking out of the any any movie out of the theater already on his phone looking up the vinyl for the soundtrack. Doesn't matter what the movie is. It could have a bad soundtrack and you'll be like, yep, gotta buy the vinyl. Okay, 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 okay. I only have two movies on vinyl, okay? Two movies, all right? And that's... La La Land and I have Whiplash. Okay. And both so of those are really good. Let's be we're honest. Throwing, we're, throwing, was, oh. we're throwing a lot right now. So let's get started with this, Harmeet. What drew you into movies in the first place? 
so I used to work trades, man. I used to be an apprentice electrician, the most mind-numbing job I've ever done in my life. <laughs> That's also where I started the song "Pot Light Bling" because I was installing so many pot lights. Right? Pot you guys used bling. to get yeah. You guys used to get Snapchats yeah. about that, man. I was a banger. Yeah, yeah. I know when right, so, pot light bling. The thing is, when Barbie said Snapchats, I used to just do the skipping thing. Where I just, <laughs> wow, you still do that? I still do that. I still do that. If for me is in a car, he's he's sitting in a passenger seat, and I see the radio. I'm done. I'm, I'm skipping, <laughs> skipping through every. You guys single one know. Of them. I say you guys worst behavior every single day for like two weeks. That was good times, man. That was All good times. All right, so you were an apprentice electrician. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did um, you become tell yeah, then tell us your journey. How did you get to where okay, you are? So like I was like numb after working so many hours and I come home and I just sit there and then I see a message in the group chat saying league. So then I'd be like, do I play League of Legends with these guys or do I go to sleep? I'm tired right now. So I usually just be like, Yeah, you know, I'm kind of tired. I use most of the time I'd reach, but sometimes I was like, you know, I'm a little bit tired, so I'm gonna go to sleep. Um instead though, I'd start watching movies and like I somehow ended up getting into like movie theories and like all this other stuff and just uh, hot takes on movies. And then I watched um, Mad Max Fury Road. And I remember watching, I'm like, this is good. That was this is so good. That was you, a you good movie. Stop talking about that movie. Yeah, right. And that. it was just like, I started watching so much like information on Mad Max Fury Road, like from shot composition to like, why did they write the story in the manner that they did? Who was the main protagonist? Right. And then it was kind of just like, keep kept throwing me for a loop. And as I like jumped further and further down the rabbit hole. And I mean, like for a long time, I've been watching like somewhat oldish movies. I mean, I watched Taxi Driver back in like high school and I kept telling you guys about it and I kept telling everybody about it. And everyone's like, I'm not watching the movie from 1972, man. Just, and, and we still haven't oh, watched it. No, you guys will watch it one day. Okay. We're all going to sit down one day. So, so Harmi, Harmi, you're not just a, <laughs> I don't want it. Shut the hell up. We're not going to watch no damn taxi driver, all right? You're not just a movie aficionado. No, you are a film student graduate. So tell me about, yes. tell me about the journey. How did you go from trades to, to where you are? So I installed one pot light one day and I was like, I'm done. I'm done, man. This is enough. Too many pot lights for me, man. So then I told my bosses I quit. And then I took like a couple of months just to like learn movies as much as I could. And then somewhere down that line, I kind of got so deep into it. that I'm like, I'm going to go to film school. I'm going to do it. Right. So then I went to Toronto film school, which was probably the best money I've ever spent in my life because wow. it's like, and not even like in the fact that it was like how much I've learned, but the amount of interaction I've had with people in the perspective. Right. Cause it's like, there's, there's so many people with different perspectives on not just movies, but life. And kind of like hot takes on life and like i once had an argument with somebody in a hallway about game of thrones right and he would argue like game of thrones is the best show ever and i'm like yeah but like there's so much more out there and that's when i kind of like started realizing that i'm kind of like a big picture kind of guy so that's like i like all the elements of like everything coming in from everywhere and it's like if i never went to film school i might not figure that out right and then i might not have figured out the like oh wow i'm like i really like french films right like i really 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 like canadian french filmmakers and it's like wow man this is pretty dope and then i started watching like older movies movies that i probably would have never watched all based off recommendation and then like you know you you kind of don't get that interaction with people and like all that information if like you kind of don't jump into it right so that was pretty dope that was pretty good and it's like single-handedly the best amount of money you've ever spent now that i'm talking more about it the best money i've ever spent 
so within the uh, Toronto Film School as well, um, I know that the theme that's going on right now is you've definitely watched a lot of movies. Uh, I feel like you've always had an interest in them, and then you later kind of realize that this is something that you want to do. And uh, I don't want to—I don't want that to go unnoticed. By the way, you found something you're passionate about. You quit your job that you're not interested in, and you found something that you want to do. And I've told you this before, Harmony, but I always find that so cool. And I actually use you and my other friend, Anthony, as examples to other people to tell them to pursue things that they're passionate about because it's so amazing to me to see the creations that you make. So where, where I wanted to go with this was, I know that you watch a lot of movies, but to my understanding as well, with the Toronto Film School, uh, where you're a graduate, you've also kind of transitioned into producing and making movies as well yeah. um, under Silktooth. Uh, so give some more information on that. How did that get started or where did that idea even come from? Well, I mean, like Silktooth is like, first, that's my first short film. That's like the only short film that anybody is able to watch right now. Um, but Silktooth is like, it was weird, man. I just remember having to sit there. I had a, a script class and I was just sitting at home. It was like three in the morning. I had a blank page. You know that SpongeBob meme where he just like, yeah. he's going crazy duh. and all he sees is duh, yeah. right? It's just duh. That was literally where I was. And I'm just sitting there. And then like, you know, I wasn't like eating or drinking anything. It was three in the morning. I was hella tired. So I'm like, you know what, man? I don't know what to write. So I just lick my, lick my teeth. Just like, you know, cause like my mouth was really dry. So I just lick my teeth and it's like, I'm like, Ooh, texture. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I just, that's when I wrote down the title, Silk Tooth. And like, I kind of just took that perspective of um, wanting to write something, but not being able to write it because it's like, how do you write something that's diverse and different from everything else that you've seen up until that point? So then that's kind of how Silk Tooth came to be. And it's like, even then that version of Silk Tooth that I wrote back then and the version that I shot, edited and put out are two completely different films, right? So it's like the film that I shot is different than the one that I wrote and the one that I edited. And then inverse, like just, it took eight months and in eight months, like, took an idea and just transformed it into something else that was that was pretty dope that was a really cool thing you know it's like when you first learn how to tie your shoelaces and you're just kind of sitting there like wow this is dope dude oh my god i never I knew how to do this was, before when i was 18 years old and i first learned how to tie my shoelaces i, don't think <laughs> I looked at my shoelaces like this is really dope but okay well you know as somebody from. who struggles with like dexterity and like tying knots and stuff you know <laughs> like my sister forced me to learn how to tie my shoes when i was like 14 and i'm like this is insane i actually did this this is dope wait right? so and I, I was joking about the whole 18 thing you were 14 when you first learned how to tie your yeah shoes. man yeah okay dude. wait wait wait, ben no 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 you're not joking <laughs> and, and i'm not gonna let this slide okay you know ben thought he could slip that in there this man literally did not know how to tie his shoes until he was like 18 or 19 we'd be playing basketball <laughs> he'd stop to tie his shoes we we'd play we'd run down the court his shoes would be untied already he'd be like no no i know how to do it this man would do two big bunny ears and then like (laughs) fat fingers would try to like make that knot and the knot would fall apart every time the man did did not know how to tie his shoes until he was like 18 or 19 (laughs) i'm not the only one ben it just took you a couple years more i mean in all honesty you don't want to be equal to me harbin i'll tell you that right now there's there's no part of me that you want to be like hey it's ben does that too it's great or ben doesn't do that too (laughs) So right. I know you're on IMDb as well, Harmony, right? With yeah. Tooth, which I think is really, really cool. But I want you to dive a little bit deeper into that. What is Silk Tooth about? 
I know that you play around with a lot of different styles, but your trademark is the black and white, you know, yeah. like noir type look, which I think is really, really cool. I remember you coming over to my house. Uh, you brought your laptop. I think this was like the first cut of Silk Tooth that you wanted to show me. Yeah, I showed yeah, you Silk Tooth. We, uh, we connected it to, uh, to the big screen and we were just watching it. And first of all, I was like, this is amazing that you even made this. I had no idea that you were even up to this um, all this time. Um, but what I noticed about you was the more you talked about Silk Tooth and the more you kind of gave your insight into it, it really showed me how passionate you were about the entire thing. So why don't you let us all know like what exactly Silk Tooth is about and like a brief synopsis well, on, the, I mean, uh, like, on the short film. Sorry to cut you off, but like, I mean, like Silk Tooth is like, it's kind of just like, um, the best way to explain it is just my mentality in 2018 and 2017 and just, um, I don't know. It's just like more self-reflection than anything else. Cause the story realistically is just about uh, a young writer trying to write a story like yeah. bare bones. You know, that's the most you really get out of like the log line for it is just, it's a young writer trying to write and like stuff gets kind of crazy. And, you know, he starts seeing his characters and it's, you know, it's kind of like one of those rabbit hole kind of films and it's, you know, the best films I've ever seen are the films that are more of like a reflection of the individual, like the filmmaker, the writer, and, you know, if they're separate players or if you have, you know, the cinematographer steps in, steps in and puts in their own information, like, you know, just um, that desire to kind of self-reflect and kind of put yourself out there, kind of wear your heart on your sleeve. Like some of the best films I've ever seen kind of follow that, um, that logic and that kind of rhythm and pattern. So you have films like, um, again, Taxi Driver, man. Taxi Driver is just a huge character study on loneliness. And the more like you dive into it, the more you start understanding Travis Bickle, the more you're like, is this kind of where I want to be? Right? Is this the kind of character I want to associate myself with? And then that in induces some self-reflection. And that's kind of something that I was hoping would go on with Silk Tooth when I shot it. And then in the final edit, when I put it out there, it was a weird experience because it's one of those things where like, for all the films that were screening that day, everyone was like clapping. They were going crazy about all of them. But then for Silk Tooth, it was just like, it was just dead silence in the room. And I just heard like one person behind my shoulder go like, I felt that. Right. And I was like, that's, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to go that's for. That's what you're going like, for, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I, I feel like if I had not kind of took taking the extra steps, right. Cause Silk Tooth is a visual poem at the end of the day. So we're not taking that step to kind of put my heart on my sleeve and say like okay well this is how i'm feeling while i'm making this right then maybe so the person would not have felt it the same way right maybe yeah. it wouldn't have been the same hermit hermit you mentioned uh, just before that that the the script you wrote wasn't the movie that you filmed and the one that you filmed wasn't the one that you edited and then you also mentioned just now that the movie ended up being a reflection of yourself. So how do you reconcile those things? How do you take that, you know, that idea, that singular passion that you have, that this pure thought that you want to try to make into, into a movie. And how do you reconcile that with the various stages that it comes to actually, you know, bringing it to fruition. And then maybe you can speak to what you have. And then, you know, years down the line, you, the ambitions that you have to be working with, I don't know, a hundred people, 200 people on the set. How do you, you know, how, with so many cooks in the kitchen, how do you continue to protect that core idea that you have while taking in everyone's you know positive viewpoints and things like that i mean like it's always just kind of you kind of gotta be like a sponge really at the end of the day just be a sponge try to absorb all the information that you possibly can 
but you know when you drain a sponge right like all the water comes out but it's still wet right so it's like you kind of got to be it's not like you know as simple as that but you kind of got to be picky and choosy about like well this person's suggesting maybe i line up the shot like this or so this person's suggesting maybe we do a cutaway like this or in the edit this person's suggesting maybe you know you cut back to this person's face or you cut back to that person's face right you kind of got to be like that you, you there's no such thing as um i don't believe in you know auteur filmmaking anymore i think it's dead i think most like even genre filmmaking is dead i think right but it's collaborations like the way to go realistically because there's no there's no such thing as one man army work anymore right because like back in the day people would grab a camera and they'd be like okay well i'm gonna one man army a film and then they usually did that right with like a skeleton crew they'd make a small little film and it was more one man army right but you don't get that anymore you really don't and that's that's really important right um just going into a project even like when you're doing photography you got to go in there and be like okay well i see I see things this way, right? You see things this way through the lens, but then you have your subject saying like, what if you take a picture from over here? Or you have somebody tap you on the shoulder and say, but like, what if you tilt down just a little bit? What if you do it like this? And it's like, might just turn out to be better. Might not be better, right? I mean, you have a limited amount of time, so you can only choose certain options at the end of the day. And you can only take certain people's introspection and just kind of put that out there. But, you know, um, the best word of, the best phrase I've ever heard in trying to manage that is don't be afraid to kill your babies because the more you the more love you put yeah man the more love you put into something right like especially when it's like creative work the more love you put into it the more attachment you feel towards it do you kind of fear you you fear the idea of like putting harm to your baby right because it's like it's it's like your child at this point but when it comes to creative work never fear killing your babies because you might just make something bigger out of it something bolder Public, public disclaimer only in the lens of, of filmmaking. <laughs> only, only creative only creative Please, the session cannot be held liable for anything no 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 yeah. human babies uh, are really creative too though if you think about yeah, it yeah man so. dude like you, you see like your niece just like writing something on the wall and you're like that's great and you look closer and it's just like a scribble and you're like I see it, man. You you can be and then, and then you remember Harvey saying in the session a basketball podcast, don't be afraid to kill your babies. <laughs> right, it's Harvey. a common phrase. Okay. It's a common <laughs> phrase. Don't put your finger at me, Ben. Dude. Don't do Harvey, that. Listen, listen. You mentioned something very interesting earlier. Um, you mentioned that the that Silk Tooth is a visual poem. Yes. Um, I want you to kind of explain that a little bit. Like, what do you mean exactly when you say something like that? So when I say like visual poem, something as a visual poem, can you give examples of other ones that you might, that you might uh, think of yourself? Um, There's one that I saw that kind of blew me away. I mean, I saw this like way after I finished Silk Tooth, but one of my friends sent me this. Sorry, no, my friend sent me a different one. This I saw on Vimeo. Okay. So this is called Dear Enemy. And I sent you guys this, but you guys didn't watch it. I know you guys didn't watch it. I remember I sent it to you guys like four. I I sent you guys this like four four weeks in a row. I sent it to you guys every Monday. Actually, I remember this. Um, But dear enemies, this like like that's a visual poem. And what I think classifies a visual poem, at least from my take on it, is that you have your poem playing and it's audible. It's you 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 can hear it, but your image is associated in some way, shape or form to the poem, but they convey deeper meaning. Right. So it's, it's kind of like guiding the audience on a, on a journey without holding their hand really. So whenever you hear voiceover in a movie, a voiceover would technically kind of 
convey certain information to you, right? Like think of a Wes Anderson film. A Wes Anderson film usually opens with voiceover and he'll convey certain information to you like, oh, this is Steve Zissou and this is what he does, right? Or this is the hotel manager, blah, blah, blah. This guy's zero, right? And then he'll convey certain information to you to help you as the audience develop a picture and an image of what's going on and who this character is and what kind of journey they could go on, right? There's also a lot of movies that, you know, they badmouth voiceover. Voiceover is usually a lazy way out, right? But it's like, just, I mean, guys like Wes Anderson are so creative about it and so interesting about it. So anyways, I'm kind of derailing right now, but whenever you're talking about voiceover, like whenever you're like introducing a poem into a, like a, an audible poem into a film as a voiceover, you want to accompany it with some images, right? It's like going to uh, a gallery, realistically. It's like going to a gallery. Like you walk around and there's some music playing, right? And then you look at an image and it's like that music may or may not help you to develop more of what's going on in this image and see a bigger picture and maybe see something else in it that you might not have seen or feel something that you might not have felt before had there not been that music there, right? that's why a lot of artists I think are taking more creative approaches to their music videos too now, right? Like think about Schoolboy Q's Dangerous. It's a one shot long take of him just waiting for some guys and then they shoot him up and then they drive off only to get shot, right? And like his music for this music, the song Dangerous playing over top of it, just it adds so much more depth to it. It adds such a bigger impact than just you seeing it, right? Or you hearing it. Right. It's, 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 it's really interesting. And like, I love visual poems, visual poems are so unique and creative. And it's just, you know, it kind of adds like a little bit joy to your life just to see somebody else's perspective like that. And it's crazy. And I'm going to start sending you guys visual poems now. Just know. Right? We're not going to watch any. We're not going to. Come on, man. Just, just, just watch them, man. Just, just watch them. Just do it. Oh man. But yeah. That's my yeah, take on it. Okay. So Harmy, I, I see on your on your back wall there, I see dam and I can't quite uh see there. Oh, okay, there we go. Crash talk untitled unmastered. Untitled unmastered. There we go. So yeah, we can definitely see it's a big Kendrick influence uh in in your life. So how has how has music, particularly I guess Kendrick Lamar, really like impacted the work that you do and I guess the the goals and ambitions that you have going forward when it comes to your work and your movies? I was just going to bring up To Pimp a Butterfly, like as we were talking about poems, like To Pimp a Butterfly definitely had a huge impact in the way that you're talking about it. Um, I know that it's not a film necessarily, but even some of the music videos, uh, I know myself that Harmeet's personal, one of, if not his favorite music video of all time is definitely All Right by Kendrick Lamar. So um, it had to have an impact on you. Um, Like definitely like those type of artists or those uh, hip hop in general, it must have had some form of impact on you. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, you know, the cool thing about hip-hop is that hip-hop has a very obvious story most of the time. It's very, like, usually sometimes it can be linear, sometimes it can't be linear, right? Sometimes it branches out the same way uh, To Him Butterfly does, or Good Kid, Mad City, right? And it's like, there's so much, hip-hop's one of those things where it's like, when you listen to it, it's so just satisfying, just hearing somebody else's perspective on, like, or their hot take on this or that or this or that, right? But it's also one of those things where, it can be so much fun to listen to hip hop. I mean, like, let's be honest, man. When you listen to the baby's bop, right? It's like, you get so excited, right? You you feel so excited. You feel like you you feel so much fun and energy from it. Right. But it's like, this is a hot take, but I mean, I think most genres of music don't have that. 
most genres of music mm. don't have like that level of energy that hip-hop has and hip-hop's got like such a fluctuating level of energy but you know going back to kendrick kendrick's kendrick's dope in that whole like he creates an environment and like he creates these personas and personalities and just you know the overall textural work and like him linking back to music from the 70s and the 80s and you know it's kind of got that kanye west vibe to it where kanye just keeps sampling this and sampling that and sampling this until he eventually has to give otis writing a credit right because he's done it so much right but like it's it's so interesting right and then on top of that kendrick is one of those artists that he wears his heart on his sleeve right and it's like the more you listen to it the more you go wow that's interesting. Wow. I felt that. Wow. That's great. Like all right became an anthem. Right. And it's one of those movies, not movies, sorry. The music video is like a movie. Let's be honest. That music video is just amazing. Right. That's the only reason I know of Colin Tilly. Right. Who's the director of the music video. He does a bunch of Post Malone stuff. He's doing a bunch of stuff for like um, Latina rap artists and whatnot. But, um, you know, that music video is great. That music video is also one of the reasons I'm a big fan of black and white now. Him and Sebastian Salgado, which is a, a photographer, but so good, man. This stuff is so interesting, man. Yeah, no, Guys, I agree. I mean, like from our end, like, the, you know, again, one of the biggest reasons why I really, really wanted to more as well, we've talked about this plenty of times. Uh, one of the biggest reasons is because you have a wealth of knowledge. As you uh, said before, you're a sponge, right? And you just have all this information that you have that you're soaking up right now. And it's, you know, let's just like letting us in just a little bit. It's, it's super cool. Um, I remember a funny story about, uh, about Harmeet actually, just because we are on the topic of music right now and uh, vinyl records and shopping, all of that. Uh, it was me, Harmeet and Zubair. We went to uh, Kensington Market. Uh, we, we wanted to go for basically what we used to do when I was working in Toronto was just randomly, um, Harmony would be doing some of his shoots or whatever. He had school then. And he would just message in the chat like, yo, Zubair, uh, Ben, like, let's go chill in Toronto. Let's go get Top Gun steaks and burgers. And let's go record shopping. I have a vinyl record myself. I have it right here with Illmatic here. Um, and Harmony's really into that too. So anyways, we go, we get our food and we want to get, um, get some records. So we go to, was it Cops? Uh, where was it, Harmeet? We went to Cops, we went to Sonic Boom, and we Sonic went Boom. to, it was, Sonic Boom. was it Black Market? Yeah, Black Market, but we went to Sonic Boom for this particular one. So we go to Sonic Boom, and we go downstairs, there's a bunch of records, right? And then in the front, we see, in its beautiful gold shininess, Watch the Throne, Kanye West and Jay-Z. <laughs> now keep in mind, Harmy, <laughs> Harmy likes Kanye West and Jay-Z, and he even likes the album, but he definitely doesn't love it to the extent that I'm about to get to right now. So we see Watch the Throne, and Harmy's just like, yo, guys, like Watch the Throne is here. I think Zubair was the one to point it out first. And Harmy's like, oh, that's crazy. He looks at the back, looks at the price tag. It's like $500. <laughs> it was like this limited edition. It looked really, really cool. I exaggerated. It, it still looks really cool. It does look really cool, but it was expensive. It was around like 200 or something, wasn't it, Harmy? Yeah, it was like 170 man. 170 <sighs> 170 And regularly records are about 30 bucks. Anyways, Harmy cracks under pressure so me and Zubair are just like this is not our money harmeet you'll be such a legend you guys are terrible <laughs> you guys are terrible <laughs> friends. terrible friends no, man oh, terrible harmeet, friends 
Harvey, you'd be a legend. Like, yo, if you don't get this, you're Wait, gonna what? You, know, you know what it's like you getting out of it? What good were you getting out of it by making a man drop 170 on this? <laughs> the funniest part was when he dropped 170, he went back to his house. And then okay, he well, listened to the chat later. He's just like, yo, guys, my dad asked me if I bought any records. Because he was on a strict record diet at that time. He wasn't allowed to buy any more records. He went on a spree before. So his dad asks him, and then Harvey's just like, yeah, I bought some records. But Papa, I promise it was only $20. I promise. <laughs> okay, wait. It wasn't even just Watch the Throne that you guys convinced me to get. You guys convinced me to buy Take Care. You guys convinced me to buy... Um, what was it? All of the same day. All the world by D12. This man dropped like 250 and you guys are just laughing. That's it so wasn't even that. Funny. We bought more records at Cops too. We went to Cops and like I picked up like three records from there. And I was like, yeah, this is it for me, guys. I'm, you know, Isabel's like, wow, man, you're a legend, dude. You're Ben's like, legend. yo, man, you're, you're a legend, legend. man. You bought Malibu on vinyl? Such a legend, bro. So we, I right? think we went over to his house just to, uh, um, like, listen to it. Because obviously, this is the this is the, the grand prize. This is Watch the Throne, $170 plus tax. We go over, he shows us the cover. We're like, oh, yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, anyways, you guys ready to go outside? Like, we're ready to bounce. <laughs> You already know Harmi is listening to all three minutes of silence on uh, all that. that um, uh, yeah, yeah. Harmi's just sitting there in si- in sadness, listening to all three minutes of silence, and then as soon as the music starts, he turns it off and walks off. Yeah, that boy got his ass beat by his dad. I know he saw the receipts. So. <laughs> nah, bro, that receipt never seen the day light of day, man. Never seen. Oh my saw god, the light of day. That's so jokes. So you know what? Let's let's get into music a bit. So we talked a bit about Kendrick. Um, one thing that I really like about Kendrick, and you know, I uh, what do you call it? Good Kid, Mad City had this pretty explicitly, and then to Pimp a Butterfly a little less. I love how the album always has like a unifying thread where it feels like it's a complete piece of work, and you need to listen, you know, front to back. It's not just a compilation of. Uh, sometimes artists will just be like, hey, over the course of like the last two and a half years when I was on tour, I wrote some songs, I recorded them and here's 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 what it is, right? It's more so this in its entirety is a product that I'm putting out there. This is a, a story, a message or whatever. And I really like that about Kendrick. So I guess I wanted your takes on if there are other artists that you feel can like create that cohesive body of work and 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 that single story, put that out there in hip hop specifically, I guess. Well, I mean, for starters, obviously Lupe Fiasco, man. Come on, Tattoo yeah. on Youth. Tattoo yeah. on Youth was like that. That was great. Um, Drogas Wave was pretty dope. Yeah. Drogas Wave was really good too, Yeah. right? Like, I mean, some of the tracks I didn't really feel, but like a lot of the tracks are pretty dope. Um, right off the bat, I, I did not give Tattoo on Youth its full credit when it oh, came out. That was a re-listen album. album. That was a re-listen for me where I went back. Like I when it came out, I'm like, yo, Mirror's pretty dope. Like, yeah, and then like, did not give it its its proper credit and then i regret it so much because the cool is one of my favorite albums of all time so mm. i i owe lupe that much that i will listen i need to now listen to everything but so ever dude kick push is the first song that i ever knew all the lyrics to i remember listening to kick push every single day multiple times a day harvey was, was really great. into rock before he was into like no i used to listen like to that. billy yeah. Talley. i used to listen billy to a lot Talley, of lincoln yeah. park yeah, right yeah. and it's like i never gave like psychedelic 70s rock a chance but like Yo, man, I used to listen to a lot of Linkin Park. Linkin Park. I was, I was, yeah. I was edgy punk rock, man. I was edgy punk rock, heard me. Definitely yeah. Lupe Fiasco is one of those artists. But in my opinion, like, um, man, Kid Cudi, like, you may have, 
you may have your opinions on his albums, especially albums like Speeding Bullet to Heaven, uh, where it just got absolutely, you know, like shit on by a bunch of music reviewers. But you have to give it its due <coughs> in the sense of it's it's a complete body of work to Kid Cudi. Um, even like Passion, Pain, and Demon Slain. That was one of my favorite albums by Kid Cudi. Uh, there was a lot of music in there. It was about 20 tracks. But I was surprised with the features by um, uh, Andre 3000. It just worked so well together. And I remember that being my winter album. I think it was around 20, I want to say 16. I think it's 16. But that was an incredible album. And Kid Cudi definitely gives you a complete body of work. Um, while we are on the topic of Kendrick Lamar, I wanted to get your opinions on this because I kind of disagree with uh, what Omar said in the sense of Kendrick always giving that. Oh, n- I not always, that, but yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. find that with Damn. I thought Damn is Damn, different. Damn is I, way different than his last see, stuff. See, Harmony, I felt that Damn was a compilation of songs rather than a complete body of work as per, uh, um, you know, Good Kid, Mad City or uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. To Pimp a Butterfly had this theme of jazzy instrumentals and Kendrick rapping over them. Uh, Good yeah. Kid, Mad City had this gangbanger like influence and like, you know, just a good kid in a mad city. You know, it's very simple. I found Damn was it's like, okay, yeah, it starts in the, you know, you can reverse it and there's like a kind of like a theme going on there. But it really, at the end of the day, just sounded like a bunch of sounds to me. It wasn't cohesive like his previous work. So I know you have damn um, held up there, which is why I oh, wanted to ask about it's, it. It's, it's my jam, dude. Like what, what makes mean? that album more special to you, if it does, more than others? To have well, it Well, I mean, like, for starters, it's signed, so that's why it's on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to put a butterfly sign, that'd definitely be on the wall. If I had good kids sign, that'd obviously I, be on I the mean, wall. I mean, I can sign them. Yeah. I can I was I gonna can say. Them. Okay, if I wanted your them. signature... <laughs> I would never ask for it. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, some kid from India who's six years old just scribble over damn, and now congratulations, it's held up on your freaking wall. <laughs> okay, well, it's album. not Tell a kid. Your right? on it. You know what? Like, I didn't listen to damn as much as I wanted to. I mean, I saw him live for damn. That was so sick. I never want to see that elderly couple that was in front of me again because <laughs> I was really uncomfortable. Um, you know. Like what 60, happened? Man. What elderly couple, man? What, what they were, there? Damn, like they were getting down to like Kendrick Lamar. Like, what happened? Yeah, dude, they were like a sixty-year-old couple in front of me and my cousin, and they're just grinding on each other. Damn, man. love wow. came on. Okay, yeah, love you know, on. like yes. love like, came on, and they just felt it, you know, and loyalty. And I'm like, loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Right? But um, like damn, live was sick, right? But then what? I think what really set like the stadium off when he performed the songs. He didn't perform anything from Tim Butterfly. Uh, but he performed tracks off Good Kid, Mad City. That was sick. That, like, yeah. everybody went crazy, which is, like, you can kind of, like, see why, because Good Kid, Mad City had that, like, gangbanger, hip-hop, like, hard, hard hip-hop trap vibe almost, right? And then I th- I see where you're coming from with Damn, and that's because I think it's because Good Kid and Tip and Butterfly had, they had a little bit more to them, right? A Good Kid had the skits after almost every single song there was a skit, Right? Just like a little, like little ad libs, just a little bit of extra information to kind of get in the world of what's going on in this music. And then to put butterfly had that massive poem, massive letter to, uh, to surprise Tupac right mm-hmm. at the end. Right. And that was spoiler. You know, sp- yo, I didn't wave a spoiler flag, man. You guys got to wave a spoiler flag now. 
right? <laughs> just like, you know, like put an Amber Alert sound or something, just so people yeah. know. Um, but, you know, Tibetan Butterfly had that. And that was just, you know, that was kind of mind blowing. The, like, just the way the skits performed in Good Kid, that was mind blowing. You know, I had so much to it. I listen to Money Trees all the time, all the time. Right. And it's like my, cause my favorite, one of my favorite skits is literally the end of money trees, which is, um, the dad asking where are my damn dominoes, right? Like that's, oh, yeah, that's my damn dominoes. Yeah, dude. Like that's such a good skit, man. Like there's so much, like it's such a, it's cause the whole song is just chill and like fun and like it gets you amped up too. And then you just feel like right at the end, the dad going, where are my damn dominoes? And you're like, this is so dope. <laughs> this, is, this is great. But then like t- damn didn't have that right damn didn't have any of those skits like the only skit that i could remember from damn was right at the beginning in blood where he samples the um was what's it that newscaster he was just like bad mouthing him the whole time that was yeah. that was the only sample that i remember not sample sorry the only skit that i remember um but it's didn't, like, didn't damn also have the um the one about the old lady saying like, oh, I've lost something. And it's like, yes, what have you yes. lost? Uh, you have lost your soul. And then they also, maybe I'm getting it confused. Uh, something about the the realest drug of them all, love. Or maybe I'm thinking of another another track or another album. So I, I think, think you that, might just be thinking about the song Love, man. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you probably just think about which love, I'll dude. never, I'll, which I'll never forgive Kendrick Lamar for, by the way. Yeah, that yeah, is so bad. Why, dude, Zachary? Come on, man. I still listen. I started listening to Zachary, Zachary because of that. You can't even say his name properly. It's such a bad dude. Song. Okay, it's yeah. an I at the end. Is it Zachary? Zachary? There you go. Nobody knows, and he should not have put that in the album. It's such a bad song. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, but you know what? Loyalty with Rihanna was pretty dope. Um, DNA probably one of the biggest bangers. The thing about that album for me was, you know, there are a lot of um, artists in the current hip hop landscape. And I want to get your thoughts on that um, in in just a bit. But a lot of hip hop artists right now, you know, you have artists like Lil Baby or Young Thug or, you know, Gunna. They might have tracks where you'll be playing them a lot for a month or two, but then its life is so short. It's a very short lived peak and you don't really go back to it. Um, to pimp a butterfly, man, I get the same feeling with you as I do with something like Dance with the Devil by Immortal Technique because it's such an eerie and it really taps into your emotions. A song like yeah. that is just Kendrick at his most vulnerable, and it goes so well with where the album is headed towards. And it's like a complete, you know, when you're listening to something like All Right, I think that's a song right after that, if I'm not mistaken. I think right after you, it's All Right. So the the kind of like the, the the switch turning on and off between those two tracks, it's incredible. The, transi- the transition is great. And I find myself going back to songs like that much more than I go back to DNA. Now, at the time, Omar knows this. I think DNA was like the most played track. Yeah, yeah, this is hype. This is crazy. But how long was it crazy and hype for? Maybe you know, a month or two? So that was my main gripe with the album. It didn't have that lasting effect as it does with an artist like Kendrick Lamar. We just hold him to such high standard, right? It's kind of like, you know, Eminem's encore after the Eminem show and Marshall Mathers. There's a bunch of, you know, like differences in quality that I found with, uh, with Dam versus um, his previous work. So that's why... I gave it more time. I listened to it again. I just didn't get it. 
I just so, didn't get it. So why don't we why don't we transition into then what's next for Kendrick, right? Like what do you see Harmeet on the horizon for Kendrick? What is it a, a specific sound, a specific uh, message, or uh, what do you think Kendrick needs to do to recapture, I guess, some of that lost spark or something? Well, I mean, like, if if we're still thinking about Dam, like, Dam was just, we were in that, like, like I think, like, when Dam came out, it was kind of like that golden era kind of thing, where it's like, there, there seemed to be nothing wrong, nothing that I could think of that was just, like, terrifyingly wrong with the world at that point, right? Well, when Tabu Butterfly came out, there was so much black on black violence. There was so much police versus black violence. Like, you know, not to not to go too deep in all of that, right? Like there was just a lot of that happening and it was all over the news and it kind of came out at like such a great point, right? Whereas Good Kid, Mad City kind of came out like the decline of gangster rap, right? Because gangster rap declined heavily in the early 2010s, right? So, you know, like it, it's it's kind of hard to see where he's gonna go. Like when you tell me, like, you know, what's what's some artist X gonna make, right? It's just like I can kind of like put my finger on it, right? Lupe is obviously gonna make another conceptual album, right? There's no doubt about it. Like Kendrick, kind of, you know, he's kind of like you can't really put a fingerprint on it, right? Like you can't really put your thumb on it and be like, okay, well, I know what this is, I know what that is, right? It's it's hard. It's it's kind of hard to lock him down. Influenced by the current landscape, I think. Yeah, like heavily, heavily. Right. Like it's hard to like put it into words to like really describe where he's going to go. Right. Like the whole world's on like getting to lockdown right now. So it's, you know, like it's hard to see what he's going to come out with. He's probably just going to come out with like quarantine rap jams. Right. And then yeah. we're all just going to be like bumping quarantine rap jams with like Kendrick on Instagram live. You know, you, you know, that's, that's actually really interesting. So I, I keep seeing this like um, screenshot of this tweet come up that basically said how, uh, the plague, the bubonic plague in like whenever it happened, uh, it influenced art and how you can see a change in like paintings and, and statues and things like that as a result of that. And it's like interesting to see the effect that this quarantine is going to have on all mediums of art. I mean, like you could say that this podcast is, is a type of art. It's a creative expression that, you know, Ben and I do every week. And you can very clearly see the effect that it's had, the topics that we talk about, the method in which this is filmed. And it's going to be interesting. To, it's there's going to be a, it's going to be a lagging indicator, but we're going to see, you know, six months from now, one year from now, two years from now, the type of music that people are putting out, the, the type of artworks that are being commissioned and things like that. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how what we're dealing with as a society right now gets reflected in the art that we're going to be exposed to. There's definitely art. And, you know, even bigger than that, um, it's very black and white where there's life before COVID and life after COVID. And I think that's going to show you're right in all forms of artistic expression, whether it's a podcast, whether it's movies, whether it's music, we're just going to have to live with something like this now. Right. And, and the um, ramifications of all that's been going on with it. Um, so that's, that's definitely an interesting thought for sure. I don't know. So, man. I feel like there's giving me a lot of isolationism, like a lot of like fear of isolationism kind of art coming around. Like if you're looking at like movies, obviously you're going to see like the usual big blockbusters to kind of get you out, out of the house. Right. But there's going to be a lot of like smaller films coming out that are more fearful and kind of more emotional because like this is this is definitely a time where everyone's like getting more in tune with their emotions considering the fact that like they don't have as many distractions i mean you have netflix it's easy to get distracted by netflix. Distracted by yeah, that's a yeah. very interesting thought man 
Yeah, I, I mean, isolationism, you just mentioned that. If you ever, as a, as, a, as a filmmaker or something like that, a filmmaker as an example, if you ever wanted a unifying theme that could speak to the largest audience possible, what bigger thing than that right now, right? Here yeah. you have every single person, like uh, other than like, you know, the people that absolutely have to, like feeling so isolated, you know, at their home, not doing anything. And this is the theme. This is something that's going to scar people and stick with them for their entire lives. Like for our entire lives, we'll be thinking about this period, this, this time. So that it's like, that's a chord that can always be struck. And we're going to see that continuously getting struck, whether it's through music or it's through movies or TV shows or something like that, because you'll always be able to appeal to such a large group of people with that. Isolationism. That's a, I'm still thinking about that because especially artists um, with, with music, they're going to be so focused on and so in tune with their feelings. You're right, Harmeet. When you go outside, there are so many distractions, right? Whether you're going to, whether you're touring, a tour is definitely a form of distraction. It's a huge distraction. You're not able to focus on music then because you're touring. Uh, you're going to parties or going to release parties, whatever the case may be. But now we're going to find so many different artists, um, which I didn't even really think about they're definitely going to feel what happened with this entire pandemic and seeing their form of expression or their creative outlet throughout all of this is going to be, it's going to be something new. It's going to be something that we haven't really heard or experienced yet because obviously we haven't really experienced a pandemic um, at, at this, at this level. So I'm, I'm really interested now. I'm really curious as to what, we're talking about Kid Cudi. He's like the definition of somebody who's really in tune with their feelings. And, you know, if they don't want distractions, if they can focus on something like that, that'll really change things up. Um, on that topic, I think he does have a song with Dot, Dot to Kid or Dot to Genius. I forgot what his name is. Uh, a huge Kid Cudi fan. Uh, but leader of the delinquents. Um, I think that's going to be our first taste as to what we should kind of expect from post or COVID era you know, um, music. It, it, I think that's going to be a genre in itself, honestly. Yeah. It might be. It might be. We might start seeing like a lot more um, music kind of similar to like the alternative version that is Billie Eilish, right? I think we're going to start yeah. seeing a lot of that, especially because that's what was popular and getting more popular as we kind of got into 2020, right? So I think like, you know, Billie Eilish is going to blow up further because more and more people are going to be in that world of, you know, really really in tune with their emotions and like who's who's your real friends and all that other kind of stuff right yeah. but you know it's it's interesting i'm really excited to see where like all this stuff goes um definitely excited to see like all the movies that come out because of this because this is gonna be so good dude this is gonna be great yeah. is there any like upcoming releases that you know of or that you're really excited for dune i'm just waiting for dune that's the, literally the only movie i care about right now that i'm like like batshit crazy just to watch um denny villanove the guy they made blade runner 2049 he did Prisoners, he did um, Sicario, he did uh, Asandi, he did uh, Enemy, right? Like, he's just been on a high roll for, like, the past Arrival, Oscar-nominated film, right? So, like, he's just been on, like, a high streak for the past decade. And this is his first big, 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 big movie. And he's got probably one of the most expensive casts together outside of the MCU. Hmm. Like, his cast is worth millions. Millions. His crew is worth millions, Right. And it's like he's putting Dune to screen and Dune has often been considered to be that one story. It's based off a book. Right. So it's considered to be that one story that you can't make a movie out of. There's too much information. Right. 
there's just way too much information. And it's like, how do you make it into one cohesive film? Right. So that's what he's attempting to do. And I think it's like, that's the one movie that I'm so insanely excited for because I want to see how he does it. Cause you had David Lynch, I believe who did it back in like the nineties or the eighties. And it was a passable film. Right. I mean, that's before David Lynch kind of went down his rabbit hole. And like, he kind of came out with, uh, he has that one short film on Netflix. Uh, I forget what it's called now, but it's black and white. He's talking to a monkey, right? It's pretty dope. It's <laughs> actually, gonna watch that. it's, it's pretty <laughs> sick, man. Like they, like they, uh, they put a mouth on the monkey and like the monkey starts talking. It's so <laughs> what sick. Is this? It's, so it's, sick. this is David Lynch, man. Like he's got like that absurdist, just like, you know, it's so, it's so weird, right? He'll have like psychics that are communicating with characters with like, and then they're like moving their eyebrows, and you're like, "This is that's, so weird." That's freaking, just stop right there, Harvey. Yeah, I don't like, want to hear any more about mouths on monkeys. I've, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. The man said they put a mouth on a monkey, like a monkey doesn't already have a mouth. <laughs> like that's where I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm done with that. Yeah, I'm head out. Right. So so Harvey, you mentioned uh, an expensive cast, and you mentioned like you know other than the MCU. So Ben and I were curious. We wanted your thoughts on like how do you feel about the current superhero movie landscape, how did you feel about, you know, I guess this most recent chapter of the MCU that's wrapped up and like, you know, whatever work that might be coming in the future. Like, uh, how did you feel about those movies? Cause I know some of, you know what I'm going to say, some of your peers in the, in the industry, uh, uh, you know, have expressed like some disdain towards like, you know, uh, Marvel movies and they think they're cheap or like tacky or for children and things like that. So as, as someone who I think is like, you know, you'd be that quote unquote meme of like an intellectual when it comes to movies and stuff like that, because you really are, you know, you know, a lot and you're able to appreciate things that I don't even know about until I, when I talk to you about it, you're like, Omar, did you notice that? And I'm like, oh shit, I, I did not I notice that. That's pretty crazy. Omar, man, don't cross the line, dude. Don't cross the line. Yeah. Yeah. There don't, you go. Don't cross the line. And, man. And Parasite. Yeah. Man, was about that. all these lines. Only so close to crossing the line. Man. Yeah. So, so how do you feel about uh, the, the MC? How do you, what do you think it, it means for the industry and for filmmakers and things like that? I mean, like MCU, especially because of the fact that it's owned by Disney, it's like, it's probably one of the scariest things in the world. Um, Cause Disney just owns so much of the entertainment media industry in general disney runs the world man Mickey disney knows. does run the world runs, disney runs the world, runs the world right but like it's it's scary because of that so like all the every time you see a superhero movie produced by marvel you know it has like an insane amount of funding behind it so they can literally do whatever they want to do right whereas like you see some other superhero stuff like think about the boys right the boys has probably a more interesting storyline compared to most of the other um superheroes things that i've seen and the boys has nowhere near the budget yeah right nowhere near the budget to do that right it's, um, a, it's a good story it's it's compelling so so the yeah, boys is uh, the it's on amazon prime if i remember right yeah. yeah amazon prime like that's a that's a good story it's such a different take on superheroes and like you've seen good superheroes you've seen but you're always watching it from the perspective of the superhero, right? So the boys yeah. is such a different take. I don't know if it's based on a book or I don't want to do off a comic book series, a comic book series. Right. So it's like, that's really engaging. And yeah, you're right. Sometimes I'm, I am watching something and I'm like, man, I really wish it had like the, the Goliath or the behemoth of funding that like MCU has sometimes. Yeah. Cause sometimes I'll watch an MCU movie. And I'm like, man, what was the point? Like you put millions and millions of dollars into this and it still sucked. I think like it's because what the MCU is starting to do now is they're trying to like target as opposed to making movies that are like more um, where they're targeting more demographics, right? They're starting to like kind of go for the niche audiences. So, you know, like 
and I'm not trying to say like niche because there's obviously like a big, big market behind the audiences that they're, you know, kind of pushing these films towards. But, you know, they're kind of trying to take a different approach to it. And like, I'm really happy that they're starting to take director driven approaches as well. So think like Taika Waititi, man, like he changed Thor. He made Thor into such a, into such an interestingly fun character to watch. Right. And that's, that's all thanks to Taika's humor. Right. And like what he was able to bring to the table. You have the Russo brothers who have taken like every single thing from all the Marvel movies and then put that into, you know, Infinity War and Endgame and kind of just like they added so much to it that you're just like, wow, this is, this is fantastic. Right. Like I never expected there to be like this many different approaches to making Marvel movies. Right. But I don't know, like my consistency is a big thing with the MCU because they have so much stuff going on. And then just like the loss of consistency. I lost my train of thought. All good. All good. Dude, Sorry. Ben, ben just dropped talking, up, yeah. but yeah, but he's back now. Ben disappeared, man. Ben disappeared. Yeah. I think yeah. he's back now. He's just joining audio. So that that's good though. That's good. Like, so you don't, you can still enjoy. Let me, let me ask you like this. Can you still enjoy bad movies or bad shows? Because personally, sometimes I'm just in the mood to watch something bad. And like that in itself, and I and I don't mean to you know like uh, talk bad about like the clearly the effort that was put in by the the people behind that. But sometimes I'm not in the mood to have my brain blown by something, and I just want to watch like you know cheap, mindless action, something stupid. Yeah, something stupid. Or I want to watch a movie where I'm just like kind of laughing at how bad this movie is, how many plot holes there are, and like so are that, that's reassuring. Are you talking more like the expendable stupid because it's just brainless action? Less like, that. Okay, the expendables is yeah. fun, man. That's fun. L- less like less brainless action. Yeah, less brainless like action. Room. Uh, I haven't watched the room, but it's like I don't know. I'm trying to think of a movie where it's like I recently watched it and I'm just like, Have you I'm seen watching- Black Dynamite? Uh, oh, I David loves that movie. Think I have. Dude, I love Black, Black Dynamite. Like, if I ever want to watch something where I can kind of like turn my brain off, you just watch something that's so just. Funny, I watch Black Dynamite. Yeah. But that, that's a very good question, though, Omar. Uh, especially for someone like Harmi, because yeah. you watch so many movies. Can you turn your brain off at this point, or are you just a critic wherever you go with yeah. every single movie that you watch? You know what? Like, that was the hardest thing to do is kind of like shutting your brain off. Because at yeah. some point, when you like, you're, you're trying to overanalyze everything, kind of break it apart and then piece it back together again and trying to like absorb all the information so that you can say, okay, well, I like this. So I want to take this piece of information and like, you know, put that into my work. I want to take this. I want to try and like replicate this shot. I want to try to do this. And I want to try to do that. Right. Oh, wait, they did this. Like Spike Lee's double dolly. I still want to do that. That's probably like one of my favorite shots ever. Right. But at some point, like wanting to turn your brain off is like the hardest thing ever. And it's like, you, yeah. you, you lose the ability to appreciate. Right. Yeah. And it, it's not just in movies and filmmaking. So Ben, let me like flip it to you. Like, Think of something that you've like, you know, you've started to develop an expertise in something you have a lot of experience in. And sometimes for me, it's often basketball. I don't want to be that guy where people are talking about basketball and I'm there. I'm like, well, actually you're wrong. Because, and yeah. here's why. And like, yeah. so what I've tried to do is like, it's really hard sometimes to, to, to bite your tongue in some of these conversations where, you know, people are discussing something and it's like very clearly not what I think. But at the same time, I'm like, man, who am I to jump in here and start like, uh, explaining something like that so just trying to appreciate uh conversation. the conversation yeah exactly conversation. and not be that yeah. guy in, in that so like have you found yourself in like similar situations and for what oh absolutely and i mean like you you you, you hit it with basketball um you mentioned something that was really funny and um 
it's so true with the whole micro uh, michael jordan and lebron debate no one party convinces the other party yeah. you're never going to convince the lebron fan that michael jordan and you're never going to convince a michael jordan fan that lebron james is the goat so it kind of goes into that theme where it's just the conversation. The beauty of basketball debates is you don't need to know absolutely everything. And I know this sounds really bad for a debate, but it's just the fun of engaging in what you see. Like, I remember when I saw this play, LeBron could never do something like that. Or when I saw this from Michael Jordan, LeBron, you know, like vice versa, whatever the case. Um, and something similar is definitely, you know, like with, with fitness, absolutely. Uh, there are a lot of people that might talk about like bro sign stuff who are just like, oh, like, you know, um, it's really, you know, like you want to keep your fats really low because fats ultimately translate to actual fat. That's not the case. But if you're engaged in talking about macronutrients, all the power to you. Hopefully you do your research and you get to learn more about it. Now, I think there's a fine difference between just having conversation and also correcting people. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there still is that element where you don't want to be hearing somebody saying just completely something completely blasphemous to yeah. Stephen A and just letting it pass because there is a certain extent to it, right? Uh, yeah. It's a very large gray area with, with topics like that. So um, Harmi, Har- Har- what's your approach? You know, someone comes up to you and says, you know, the Avengers is the best movie ever. And then right there, like you're biting your tongue, your eye starts twitching and <laughs> stuff like that. Like, you know, how do you, because, because, you know, Ben and I encounter this when it comes to, I think, you know, uh, fitness to Ben more so when it comes to fitness because he knows a lot more than me. Uh, as sometimes in cooking and basketball, definitely and things like that. You know, having to navigate around situations like that. But like movies, that's something that's like much more synonymous with like such a large audience. Everybody has favorite movies. Everybody has like their takes on that. So how do you navigate? I mean, use us as an example. You're always trying to push these really creative and interesting projects to us. And we're just like brain dead. We're like, nah, not going to nah. watch it. Nah, that's a dumb watch movie. Tiger King instead. <laughs> yeah. Roma, dumb movie, black and white. I don't want to watch anything in black and white. So, so talk to us. How do you like navigate knowing what you know, but still, you know, fitting into the group, allowing conversations to happen, things like that. The start is Roma, right? <laughs> the most emotionally compelling movie I've ever seen in my life. Right. And Zubair is wrong. Uh, Our friend Zubair, right? Wrong for watching with his family. Don't watch that movie with their family, right? <laughs> just stop just putting that out there. Disclaimer, right? If you ever want to watch a great movie, watch Roma, you know, Academy Award winning film. Um, Let me tell but, you how to do debates for me. I've never watched Roma, but it's the worst movie I've ever not watched, okay? How, how can you, how can you, okay, dude, that's like saying like, um, yo, that's Ben. That's I do all my basketball ben, debates, ben, baby. Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Harmeet, in, in, okay. in the old head In that pod, case, in that it, case, <laughs> <laughs> in the old head pod Ali said like right before the podcast started recording it's like I don't know anything but I'm here to talk shit and 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 that's how so much of you know 2020 conversation happens I don't know anything about this but I have a strong opinion it's the it's South like, Asian in us yeah man it's like my dad just like forwarding me uh whatsapp messages going like the mob's controlling corona the mob's got the mob's got their hands on the cure for covid they're not gonna can- give it to <laughs> At 10.40 p.m., five helicopters will be <laughs> Close your windows. Well, get away from... Kill, don't man. keep your phone close to you. Your phone gives you corona. Solar ray. Harmeet has been a huge... Um, he's been retweeting a bunch of stuff about this 5G conspiracy. I don't know why. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, you... No, what? You're lying. No. 
I haven't retweeted a single thing about five oh, G towers. I look at I look at um like a bunch like even celebrities. I look at like them just reposting all these they're retweeting especially 5G towers especially, especially celebrities and you yeah. just like you have such a big audience you got to be careful about like what you're retweeting it's this dangerous, is why i love yeah. retweeting elon musk man elon musk is just <laughs> it's just a meme after a meme about like something that's just it doesn't matter but it's like you know it feels good to retweet elon musk because you know he's educated and you know he's not re- like He's not going to say anything about all these dumb conspiracy theories, man. So so you mentioned memes and just like retweeting memes. So I want to, a quick aside here, the, the NBA, you know, because I guess this is still a basketball podcast, even though we don't know what's going on with the season. Surprisingly. Hey, man, so, the GM, so, they fired the GM for uh, the Bulls. The Bulls, yeah, thank God. We'll yeah, thank yeah. God. I have hope now. But so the NBA had a horse competition and... Oh. They, uh, I, I, Ben and I talked about this on the pod, you know, when Woj first announced, it's like the NBA is in discussions to host a horse televised horse competition. And all the comments were just like, like the classic Stephen A. Sleep. I'm sleep. I'm I'm sleep. Like nobody wanted this. They aired the competition on ESPN. I didn't watch it. Ben, did you watch it? I did not watch it. Harmeet, did you watch it? I didn't even know this was happening. Okay. I didn't even know this was happening. So what was happening was they had a few players, ex-players, WNBA players, um, at like their various houses and stuff. And they were, you know, set up webcams on their courts and like everyone was going to do like their own competitions. I think it was like a bracket challenge or something like that. Anyways, apparent, I didn't watch it. None of us watched it, but apparently I heard it was terrible. Not because I watched it, not because I read articles about it, not because I went to credible sources, but because of the memes that came on my timeline. <laughs> Because of the memes showed how bad the connection was, how everybody was lagging. It was terrible. It was just a complete disaster. And the memes came to me before anything else. It was so quick. People are so quick with them on Twitter. And oh. that's how I educated myself. So like memes yeah, well, I mean, are a new form of communication. It was well, I mean, so dead to me, this entire horse journey. I Well, I knew that it existed because we talked about it in the podcast. I just did not know that it was it had already passed or like yeah that it was happening had yeah. i had no idea it actually happened so i should have a conversation with my brother right here we talked about it just this morning that's how i knew that we had the, the horse tourney actually happened so he messages me he's just like did you watch horse tourney and then right after that he just says so ass <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm just like no i didn't actually like what happened i'm like was it that bad he's like yes he's like bro the video and the audio was some next vcd quality I don't even know what VCD is, but I'm assuming it's really, really bad. Chauncey uh-huh. Billups apparently won. CP3 got beat by some random. Everything was just terrible about this horse training. It was so disorganized and the quality <laughs> was bad. No. Nobody cared about it. I think the memes will definitely give me much more entertainment than the actual tourney itself. So I'm yeah. down to check out the memes after this podcast. So, 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 so bringing it kind of back to movies then memes i feel are one they're so quick and there's they're so creative like the the meme economy that's going on now that sometimes it makes it difficult because when avengers comes out and i'm not watching it till the third or fourth day that it's out because that's you know when i could get tickets or when i was free i'm so scared to go on twitter and instagram because i could get the whole movie spoiled for me through the memes and that happens for a lot of things, you know, TV show, like finales, uh, sporting events, sporting events, less so because everyone wants to watch them live. But so much information is communicated so quickly through memes that it's like it's a difficult situation to navigate around when you're not in the know. I didn't know 
about like the gulag or whatever till Ben explained what that was. So I have all these Call of Duty and gulag memes coming on my time and I'm not in the loop. So I'm just like, what does this mean? What is this a COD meme? Yeah, everyone's a COD meme. There you go. There you go. So I I feel like everybody's in on this joke and I'm just like on the outside or everybody's watched a movie and it gets spoiled to me because of a meme or something like that. So it's it's interesting. Like how have you guys felt, you know, when big releases are coming out or or Game of Thrones finales or whatever? Avengers got spoiled for me. That's for sure. Yeah, Uh, it was through it was through memes. And what people don't understand, it's a spoiler is not only if somebody dies, it's also if somebody continues to live. Yeah. Like that in itself is a spoiler. Now I know he lives or now I know she lives, like whatever. That is a spoiler. So it's better to just have no conversation whatsoever. I don't even want to know if it's a good or bad movie. I used to check Rotten Tomatoes before I would go to a theater movie just to see if it's good or, you know. But if I see nowadays, if I just see a good actor if i know the story is somewhat decent or if it's recommended i'll just go straight into it for parasite obviously i knew that it was a really good movie because i've heard it but Mm -hmm. i didn't check rotten tomatoes i didn't search up anything and for that reason because i was in this box um shout out roddy rich i was able to really invest into the movie i knew what i didn't know what was gonna was gonna happen yeah the ending completely me and I had my own ideas on the movie that I wanted to discuss with other people, and that's what makes good conversation. You know what I mean? So memes what? are memes are good. You know they keep us entertained, especially during these trying times. But man, can they be bad for spoilers? You they live by the meme, I by the meme. What about you? Well, that's how it is, man. You know what? Like I was just thinking about when Ben was like, uh, you know, you go on Rotten Tomatoes and you just kind of you 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 develop the expectation of what a movie's gonna be like before you even know what it's about or who's who's in it just based off like a percentage right yeah and it's like i don't know man. i totally disagree with just like using that to justify if a movie's good so or not. so i'm i'm glad that i've never really been like a you know imdb rating or rotten tomatoes guy i was a big trailer guy that was my thing if i was excited for something i would watch trailers i would watch trailer breakdown videos where they'd go frame by frame and like, like so much of that and what what I've stopped doing now is if I see something that I'm that I'm interested in where I'm like, oh, new Christopher Nolan movie coming out. Cool. I'm just going to watch it. Like if there's a director that I'm interested in, if there's an actor that I support that I'm like, oh, I've, this guy's last three movies have been awesome. I'm going to watch this too. I just hear about something. I don't watch anything else. New game for me, even TV shows, last Game of Thrones season. It's like, well, I've watched every season before this i'm definitely gonna watch this upcoming one why would i watch a trailer you don't need to entice me to watch it of course i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be tuning in and stuff like that right so it's like i've tried to cut out all of that excess exposure to something that i already know that i'm gonna watch i don't need convincing are you a trailer person or me like what's what's your take on that i know you're not a rating i love trailers man trailers are so good because like sometimes a trailer can trick you completely yeah into uh, like what you expect from the movie like Think like, for example, Parasite. I had no idea what Parasite was about. Mm-hmm. No idea. I didn't read the logline at all. Right. So it's like, I don't know what the movie's about. I didn't like, I avoided like percentages and like all other stuff. And, um, you know, but like I go on Twitter and people will be like, Parasite, you know, like eyes wide emoji and like all this other stuff. Right. And then, um, you know, like I hear about the press behind Parasite and like people are like, this, this is a film that more people need to watch. Right. But then I watch the trailer. I'm like, 
this feels like a comedy, man. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. you watch the it movie. It started and off like, like that. Definitely. Yeah. You, you watch the movie and it's like, it's just constantly twisting and turning. And it's like, okay, well, this is a comedy. Oh, this is a drama. Oh, this mm-hmm. is a thriller. Oh, it's a comedy. Oh, it's this. Yeah. Right. And it's like, um, you know, kind of going back to how I said before, the genre is dead. Like that's, yeah. that's what I mean, right? Like there's no such thing as like a pure genre film anymore. At least I think. Right. So and then. Not the, the, my issue is not all, um, now, I don't know who makes the trailers. You'd know better than me. But not all trailers for movies are created equally, right? There are no. a lot of trailers that show the entire movie, like, you know, scene that. by scene. Yeah. I was just going to yes. say yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's kind of what's turned me off because it's risky to say like, hey, I'm going to watch this trailer. And sometimes it'll be a great trailer, like the, the Parasite one that you described, where it's like, that's exactly what you want out of a trailer, right? You know, I want you to trick me if that if it's that theme of movie. Or I want you to like be super vague and not really show anything, but rather the trailer is the show me the theme don't show me show me the atmosphere don't show me the story don't show me yeah. any of that right yeah give me how the show like make me feel how you want me to feel but don't tell me anything that's what i want out of trailer but so often like ben like i've had so many movies where it's like i remember i watched the 2012 trailer and because i had this one scene like seared into my brain through the trailer the entire time i'm watching the movie it's like well i already know this guy's not gonna die because that scene yeah. hasn't happened yet like when is that one little scene going like to happen? Yeah, yeah. It's like little things like that. And it that takes away because you're expecting something when you're in the theater then. Well, I mean, and like you, know you can what? look at like, sorry, go ahead. What I was just going to say was, you know what? Another thing, uh, this was kind of going to be derailing a bit, but just on the topic of Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and having other influencers influence the way we might think about a movie or the way we might perceive a movie. And this is huge on music as well. Um, I feel like um, a lot of conversation has been lost because people don't want to like or dislike something that's so popular on one end of the spectrum. Yeah. So if something is critically acclaimed, people are going to be kind of afraid to be like, I kind of didn't like Parasite. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's huge on music. and And it's so sad because music, even listening to it, is a form of creative expression because you take from the music whatever you want from the music. So when you have people waiting, it's so funny to me. Um, I'm subscribed to uh, Hip Hop Heads or Music uh, on Reddit. And um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Anthony Fantano. He's a uh, YouTube reviewer. He mm-hmm. reviews music, um, mainly hip hop, but other genres as well. And what's funny to me, it's sometimes the hip hop review will get more upvotes than the actual link to the album. So people are so invested in hearing another bald person's opinion on a, on a, on a record before, before forming their own. And I just find that so weird to me. Like, where did our originality go? Where did our conversation go? It's just like, oh, okay, everybody loves, um, well, I said it already, but everybody loves, I don't know, take care. Don't be afraid. Just because it's critically acclaimed, don't be afraid to be like, you know what? I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. No, I've never been a big fan of take care. There you Damn. go. I've never been a big fan of take care. Now, you're stupid, but it's an original <laughs> comment. You know, I, I applaud your stupidity. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's kind of something that I've been thinking about just by looking at it. Like an IMDb rating or a Rotten Tomatoes rating shouldn't take away from your viewing experience. If you see it's a 50% and you thought it was a 99%, all the power to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's just how yeah. it is. Like, it's like, always form your own opinion on something. Never be afraid to form your own opinion on something. But like, I remember once hearing like, you know, just with the, the advent of social media 
and how like integral it's become to our daily lives. Um, people have been saying that like, just because you have an avenue to express your opinion, right. doesn't mean that you are going to, and you might just in, like in, end up ingesting somebody else's opinion constantly. Right. And then using that to form your own opinion, which is super, it's super unhealthy. Right. Just, just having like, you know, like Ben says, Oh man, you know, quarter thing by Joey Perp is a pretty bad album. And I'm like, Oh, Ben, you're wrong, but you know what? I, I value your but That's where conversation happens. Like the reason why, you know, of course, if you're not trolling, the reason why I don't like quarter thing by Joey Perp is because it's, you know, lackluster in uh, these certain sounds, whatever the yeah. case may be. And then you retort back by saying, no, but I find like this. And then it's, it's, it's just good. Like that's just, yeah. But otherwise now I'm finding like, yo, did you hear that new Wheezy album? It was sick, right? Yeah, bro. It was sick. That's it. Done. Yeah. What did you like yeah. about it? I don't know. Everybody else likes it. It has to be good. Yeah. I mean, I didn't listen to any of the music, any of the tracks from Carter five. I just kind of like skimmed through most of it. And I was like, nothing's catching my ear except for Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa was pretty dope. And, 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 and that's necessary. And Hermit, you're right. Like, you know, the advent of social media and how quickly information gets disseminated and shared, you know, an album comes out and Anthony Fantano will have a review out so quick. Every, everyone subscribed to him at front page of Reddit. Like it, it makes the rounds so quickly and I contrast that to, and, and I've brought this up before, how different the music listening experience probably was in the 90s or the 80s yeah. or something like that, where, you know, if if a new record came out, it was so individual. You either heard it on the radio on your own, you went out and bought it and listened to it on your own, and you formed opinions on your own. It wasn't like, oh, let me just pull up Twitter and see if it's trending, you know, what people are saying. Yeah, there were like radio stations and radio hosts that would give their opinions and, you know, facilitate calls and stuff like that. But so much of it was like everybody was a free thinker and thinking on their own. So if someone liked something, everybody came to that conclusion on their own. But now, like Ben saying, someone says like, oh, it's a great album. And you're, you haven't even heard it properly. And you're like, yeah, great album. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, it. Yeah, must it must be. be. Yeah, everyone's saying it's a great album. I, I like the album too. This is great. And stuff like yeah. that. Like you, you don't come to those individual opinions anymore. I think that transfers over to basketball as well. Um, I with think all the hot takes? With all like, you know, with a bunch of narratives. Um, you know, if a narrative a certain way, I'm guilty of it. Uh, I'm just going to say downright, I thought that CP3 was legitimately a bad playoff performer. Of course, with my limited knowledge of basketball at the time, I just didn't know about it. But why was that? It's because of media narratives. And if you can't form your own opinion, or if you can't do the research yourself, then you're just never going to know. So I think it translates over to pretty much anything. Uh, oh, I heard this recipe, if it's done in this certain way, it'll taste amazing. It'll be perfect for you. But then I'm thinking to myself, I probably could have done with the maybe a stick of butter or maybe if I had some more salt or pepper to it, I would have liked it a little bit more or add your own ingredient to it, whatever the case may be. Um, it's very, very important to be original. Uh, that's where good ideas stem, right? So, Yeah, man. It's like how every mom has her own curry recipe. That's yeah. right. To be honest, yeah. that's, that's pretty much how it is, man. That's true. Yeah. That's facts. True. Facts. All right, Harmi. I I hate to 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 call it this early because I feel like we could end up going for like hours on this stuff, but we're definitely gonna have to have you back. My bad, man. I I'm actually on vacation, but I have to take a work call like in a little bit. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you I know, man. My that. my phone's been ringing like crazy too, dude. Oh my god, four WhatsApp messages. Shit, I should probably get this, man. Oh, they were just us saying we're not gonna watch whatever. But but Ben, I'm saying it on the part. We gotta have you again because there's so much stuff that we didn't get to that. We 
we still need no, we to didn't talk, talk about through. basketball enough. We yeah, didn't, we didn't barely end it at all. The session, a basketball podcast. <laughs> yeah, t- today we're gonna talk about movies. But you know, given given the environment, you know, like there's only so much that we can we can end up yeah, actually man. talking about when it comes to. I can give you guys some hot takes. Don't worry, I have some. I have some very very thorough opinions on basketball now. Cut it quick. Oh, Thank you for listening to. This. <laughs> <laughs> Can't drive away the listeners. But 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 in all seriousness, uh, first of all, thank you, Harmeet, for for coming on. Uh, I know yeah. it was a bit of a bit of a short notice get getting on, but making the time for us it honestly means the world to Ben and I to have you on. You are one of our closest friends, and you have done so many interesting things already. And like Ben and I, and this podcast, and all our listeners, we're really excited to see where we go from here and, you know, just watching your journey continue and just continuing to support you and your work in whatever way we can. Thanks for having me guys, dude. Honestly, I've been waiting. I've been waiting since like November when you guys started the podcast where you guys were like, Hey, Armin, you want to come, you want to come on the podcast? Uh, I've been waiting since August, then, man. Yeah, we actually started in August. So that's just, just real friends. How many of us, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> no, my in, in all, bad in all seriousness, old, you know, in all seriousness, thank you again, Harmi, for joining us. Uh, I guess we will wrap up the podcast yeah. uh, by saying, you know, like, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, make sure you do leave a comment, rate um, on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you are listening to. Um, of course, we are on Instagram at The Session Ball. Uh, make sure you keep us, um, you know, make sure you give us a follow because we will be posting content, uh, making sure you know when our videos are posted. Uh, in addition to that, this video is recorded on zoom and it will be posted on youtube so you can see all of our faces there you can put a face to harm meat i don't know if you really do want to see that but you don't look at my face man don't do it (laughs) but uh from everybody here thank you we really do appreciate it for sure and and just just before we go harmi uh let let the listeners know you know how can we uh stay engaged with you how can we connect with you how can we support you going forward you know we want to plug something go for it i mean you guys can follow my photography ig you know i post every monday i try to post every monday right which is hrnt sngh that's it man. yeah and we'll tag it on our on our on our ig post as well so to, to get everyone connected so from everyone here at the session cheers cheers bye